Welcome back, episode two. Thank you very much for your support on episode one. It's been fantastic to know that you've enjoyed what we had to say. And uh, thank you again if you've listened to episode two. Uh, that's brilliant, that is. This episode is going to be based on the Grey Street. The Grey Street is probably well-known worldwide for being the most, if not the most, haunted house orphanage in uh, in England. Uh, we had eight weeks there, um, and we got to know the owner. The owner's mate, his best mate at the time, and we did a good 16 hours worth of recording this property. Uh, to be honest with you, there's a lot that comes with it. Uh, it's not as clean-shaven as it should be, um, and that'll be on today's episode. So, first of all, next to me is Brett. I'm here, I'm back. <laughs> Brett's back. Um, so basically, we've got a we've got a lot of questions that have been sent in to us via all our social medias whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and we've also got a few stories that's been sent in as well so that again we'll be reading them out by the end of the show uh, but we will go into the Grey Street first of all how it happened uh, and what happened so our first investigation we got when we first ever started HGC After Dark uh, was the Grey Street what was his name who contacted me um, I want Andy the owner Steve that was it Andy the owner has a best mate called Steve, the thickest thieves, both of them. Uh, where Andy is, Steve is, and vice versa. It's, it's probably been that for a lot of years. Andy, the owner of the Grey Street, has bought the property for... A, it's, it's a money-making scheme, I think, at the end of the day. So it's, we've, heard, we've heard different stories. Really. Yeah. It's known worldwide for its paranormal activity. So Steve contacted me independently and said, look, I've come across your channel. Would you like to do the Grey Street? Bearing in mind, at that point, we'd not really promoted HGC as much as we do now. So no. it, was, it was good to get that sort of message coming to us, asking us and inviting us there. Definitely. Especially of how, how pronounced it's known for. You know, it's paranormal. There's loads of groups that have been there. And, you know, they still they still actively have groups there now, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, uh, I think... I'd like to say it was a mistake, but it wasn't because it, we got something out of it at the end, and we will go into that story regarding it all of course. Yeah, I mean, once I did get in, once Steve got in contact with me, the first thing I do is research the property, and there was countless information, news articles, um, hearsays, folk, folk, is it folklore? I can't pronounce it uh, regarding the property itself. So I had a lot of information to read on it. So I was literally looking forward to telling the team uh, to say that like, we've got Digger Street, and we can, apparently we can go there as many times as we want, which was even better I remember when you messaged me about the Grey Street and I was like nah you're having me on here not the Grey Street people pay a lot of money to go into that property <laughs> <laughs> people still do pay a lot yeah, of money to go into that property so we we met Andy the other day. I met him independently first before the team met him um, Andy was quite strict in what he wanted from the whole deal um, at that present time he wanted a 24 hour uh, operation where there is cameras Pretty much like over a live stream, wasn't it? Yeah, over the full property, whether that's the Grey Street, the main house. The subscription based live stream is basically the route we wanted to go for. Yeah, and the museum at the back, he wanted. Yeah. Wanted the same thing with that. So, of course, I was like, well, we can give it a go. <laughs> we can try. Um, so, we went away and we started um, making the effort and trying to make that, that work for him. So, we, we made the. You, you made the website, didn't you? Yeah. And then we looked into different various companies that can provide a, um, a camera setup. Um, because we didn't. I thought it'd be simpler than what it was. Yeah, no, yeah. With cameras, you think right, you just plug them in, and that's pretty much it. But when you're trying to do a live stream on a website, you've got to have certain and dollar channels and certain broadband to enable the traffic coming through. So there yeah. was a lot of ins and outs, which did need a lot of research. The research part, we did do a hell of a lot of. Um, I think we got to the stage where the website was built, but did that. Yeah. 
access did live stream things on a on a trial basis. Yeah, he did. There was obviously paying for that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we'll put things in place so we could test it and it was all working. We'd sent, you know, and numerous um, messages to let him know. That, um, oh. Products, what he needs to buy for the CCTV. Oh yeah. So first of all, the CCTV that comes on to another thing that uh, the CCTV he already had in the pop. It was uh, it wasn't good enough. Not it was good enough to literally keep an eye on it and secure the pop it to a certain extent, but it wasn't good enough for anything to do with uh, a twenty-four hour operation regarding going live. So we did say to him, look, you need to upgrade your full system. Which at the time he was like, oh yeah, of course, I'll I'll get it sorted and we'll, we'll get that in place. So I was like, yep, no problem. So we went away and did the website um, and we also looked into a, an external company to provide the feeds to because we send the feeds from the live cameras to an external company, they send it back and then we incorporate it into the website. That's prim primarily how we wanted it to work. Uh, so we did our part. In the space of doing this, which took eight weeks, nine weeks yeah, yeah, of give and take, of backwards and forwards, we had unlimited access, presidented access to the property, which in my eyes was a good enough deal for us at that present time. Right, the house. It is, I personally think, is a death trap. Yeah. <laughs> it's, fall, it's falling apart. It's an absolute death trap. The, the it never look it never you walk in, it's deadly cold. I mean, the last time a heating's ever been on the property is Well no one's lived there, No, the yeah, no one lives there. Thirty years, twenty, thirty years yeah. before so you can imagine all the paint coming away from the walls, skating coming away from the balls, carpet was just absolutely grafted. And what they used to do is go to car boat sales and stuff like that, him and Andy and Steve, and buy literally crap and literally fill the house up with crap. Anything that looks either medieval or period looking. Creepy really. Creepy it? looking, Perhaps. yeah. They would just to give you that feeling and when you go in there. Yeah. They would buy when we first walked in, it was a really, really creepy feeling. I was Terrified <laughs> when we first went in there, and I was having the tour around. I'm like, God, we're going to investigate this house. It's only because <laughs> of obviously knowing the stories you've heard and when you've seen some footage and of other teams going. It's again, it's the unknown. Yeah, that that's the thing that makes it more exciting is the unknown and knowing what you've read online as well before you walk into there. So we were walked in. First thing I did, of course, you look around and you think, what the hell is this all about? And Andy was, Andy, I'll give him his dues, he's a lovely guy and he, he wears his heart on his shoulder and he did say from start to finish he's bought the property for a money making thing um, and that's all it's primarily used for. And to be honest with the state of the place, you can kind of understand why he's gone that route. Um, so, of course, we walked in we did the, uh, our first night investigation. Do you remember that first night we went on? Yeah, it was a Saturday after the week. We, well, we went on the Sunday for the tour around, didn't we? And then we went the following, following Saturday. Week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We got the drone footage, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We got all the external B-roll from the external uh, point of view, and then of course it was pretty much the investigation part. Now I will tell you something. Now I don't think I've told you this. The first investigation we did there, honest yeah. truth, we were so, so, um, what's the word I can use? Unprofessional. Oh, definitely. Freaking hell. Definitely. Even when it came to calling out, I was absolutely nervous just to call out. Because it is all new to me, and my heart was beating, not because I'm in a haunted location. It's the bloody calling out in front of you, yeah. so... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, the, on that table. I just... was mostly sat there in my head thinking, right... What do Dave, I say? Dave's going to ask me in a minute. I'm thinking, <laughs> I don't know what to say. And then I'll come out with something you've already just said. I know. I mean, we must have repeated questions three or four times, but next yeah. door, Steve was sat on the table with Andy. So, of course, we was in one room, there was another. It was only a partition door between us. Yeah. So, we had that silent... I hate that part, that... Awkward 10, 15 seconds silent. 
We was doing a seance, weren't we, around the table? It was, yeah. So at the end of the day, someone has to speak out and call out, uh, and none of us were too sure who's going to do it or what was going to be said. Me being me, I started first, and it just went, it just, it didn't work. It just didn't, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good at one bit. Uh, so that first part of it was a nice introduction to actually doing a paranormal investigation. Uh, massive, massive learning curve, that part. So that was our first introduction to the actual property doing that seance on that table on the downstairs ground floor. Um, after that, I think I remember rightly, we, of course, we went upstairs and had a look around upstairs. Did yeah, we did, yeah. Started talking. We had no structure. No, what was that? There was no structure at all that night. Yeah, there was just sort of, was sort of like explaining like the rooms and the themes, what they've gone for. Um, and then we're sort of going from there, really, aren't we? Um, we focused more on the bedroom because um, it was um, meant to have been a child buried in the chimney breast. Oh, I can explain that. Going over to you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the research, the research I did before we even got to this property was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, literally, I spent night after night after night looking through all archives of Hull City Council, which is where the building's located in Hull. Um, and I also looked in news articles. So the Sun, the Mirror, they had articles, and the Hull Daily Mail. So pretty much made a big collage of in my head of what this property can offer. Um, the only person I forgot, what was the guy's name who used to run, a, run the place back in the day? I can't remember his name. Was it John? John, that's John, the one, yeah. 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 So the story goes, John um, used to run this orphanage um, at 39 de Grey Street and he ran it for a period of 20 to 22 years, give and take. He was a very evil man. Um, he was he's not the nicest person to talk to. Um, and he was very much like Andy, a money-making scheme. When the war was going on, all these children were pretty much losing their parents due to that war and they were getting sent to this orphanage to so they had somewhere to stay and somewhere to, to go john used these kids for what he could use them for so whether he, he never he didn't feed them he used to lock them underneath the stairs really mistreat them um and these kids bless them at that present time losing their parents and then getting put in a big massive nine bedroom house with an evil man it, it wasn't going to, it was going in the wrong direction straight away um, then uh, a girl called Rachel, she went to the property. She went to the property at 12 years old and she was there for seven or eight months, give and take. So it was a long time, but that's because Hull at that time got absolutely bombarded with bombs from the Germans. So yeah. there was no Hull left. So it was a case of rebuilding. So probably that's probably why she was there at that property for so long. She was there. John took a liking to this girl, bearing in mind she was really young, of course. And what I read in the archives of Hull City Council is she uh, was raped and she fell pregnant. Now, back in the day, rape was more well-known than what it is now, and a lot of blind eyes were turned regarding it, with it being that era that it was in. And John didn't care. Rachel got scared. And it came to the point where John thought, well, damn, we're going to have to cover this up. There's no other way that this girl can get pregnant when she's been with me for eight months. Um, so he killed her and when he killed her he didn't know what to do so he buried her body in the chimney breast of the main bedroom in the property thinking he can get away with it um, going ahead a bit further than I should do John of course when he passed he's come back to reside in the property because I believe personally it's the most cherished thing he ever had for 20 odd years of his life so he comes back um, and of course we will explain how we know that he came back due to the evidence that were picked up. Right, evidence. I'm going to say the first part, because one of the 
we got we've had questions sent in uh, this this last week, and one of the questions um, is going. I'm going to be answering it early. Um, what's your first paranormal experience that you've had? Now, the Grey Street was our first um, investigation. My first paranormal experience was one of two things. Number one, we was in that bedroom, and you heard that girl's voice behind you, and we all heard it. Do you remember? I do remember that. Yeah. And I'm sure she said. I looked to my right tonight. Yeah. And I'm sure she said hi or some kind of low tone voice. It was a long, yeah, it was a long hi or hello. Oh, hello, yeah. yeah. But that, I believe, it was my first experience. But the best experience, I believe, in my my head is we was all on the table in the bedroom upstairs where Rachel was supposedly buried in that chimney breast, and I asked out a personal question, saying, "Rachel, if you are here in this room with us or on this property and you can hear my voice, can you let me know that you can hear us?" And to my left side ear, I heard. Yes, my name is Rachel. Now, the, first of all, the hairs on my full body stood on end. My heartbeat shot up because I, f I knew I'd heard something. And the equipment I had in front of us, I'd have shut it all down. And I said out loud, I was like, look, I've just heard this. She just spoke into my ear. But when we look back on the footage, I can clearly hear it. Other people... No, I was struggling. Like, yeah. I was struggling. Uh, other I people want, couldn't... I wanted, I wanted to... You wanted to hear I it. I wanted to hear it, but you, you know, you can't force yourself to hear something that you can't. It wasn't a class B. It wasn't a class A. It, uh, you had a few apps running in the background. Lower than that. Which was yeah. a mistake. In the background noise, yeah, which obviously we've learned from now. We don't really do that. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't fortunate at the time. Um, but like I said, Dave got that first experience and it's it's deep in his heart. So, I, you know, I fully believe him 100% that he, he did hear that on that um, location. It's weird because when it actually happened, it takes a couple of seconds for your, your brain to acknowledge that you've just had a paranormal thing happen to your body. Um, and hearing that turn of a voice, you can tell she was a young girl. Um, it, it, it shook me a bit. I mean, I was always hooked anyway before we even went to the Grey Street regarding anything regarding the paranormal. Because I know there's different, so many different avenues of a haunting uh, and an, uh, an experience within the paranormal field. Um, but hearing a voice directly to you, it shook me a bit. But that was that's my first... On his first um, experience, I believe, with yeah, with uh, the Grey Street. What was your first one? Well, just in the Grey Street in general. Your first paranormal experience. Whatever in my mm -hmm. whole life. Mm -hmm. I'd say the first thing what I can't explain, and it did really freak me out, would be when we very first went on a ghost hunt at the bunker in Wembley. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So me and Dave was, you know, we said we'd go on a ghost hunt. This was probably our very first one we'd ever been on. Um, it was the, it was just called the bunker on it. And yeah, the, it? it's the bunker anyway. It's the uh, RAF bunker, bunker, yeah. In Wiverancy. Uh, went there with a group, so you know you couldn't really do much of your own thing, but we we tried to as much as we could. We escaped. Um, and we was all in this medical room with that medium. And he was, he was oh, I know what you're going to say now. That, um, a lot of people experience things in this room. He didn't want to go into detail, so that way people wouldn't just you know put things in their mind and say they've done this or seen this or whatever. So anyway, we was all sat there, all stood there, I was myself. Um, and it was literally pitch black. You could not see your hand in front of your face. Now, we was all stood there, and in the next couple of minutes, after he'd spoke about people feeling things or something happening, um, all I saw to my left of me was just this smoke. It was like someone's vaping. And at the time, vapes wasn't obviously allowed in there anyway. I don't or, think there was vapes back uh, then. But basically, as you see vapes now with the, with the smoke, that just literally come right in my face and I even stepped back and went, whoa, what the hell is that? And it just sort of vanished away and I can't explain where that come from because it was pitch black, I could not see my hand and this, this, this smoke 
like vape, just straight into my face. And Do you know what's good about that whole situation? We didn't have all the technology that we've got now. I know, all mobile phones, didn't we? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so if we'd have had them infrared cameras that we've got now, we'd have yeah. seen something probably without with, all with that the camera. All I can is it, must, it could have been something like a spirit in that medical room and it's just sort of going by me. Um, as I say, I can't explain it, but in my opinion, that's my first experience. And you know what's really weird about that is because because this bunker was segregated to the general public to be on one side and then on a glass panel it was all left original on the other mm. you saw this face through the other side of the panel no no it was in the medical room there's no panels in there we was in oh, the room oh I thought you saw no, it through no, the glass no you're on about the ones where the, oh, like the well computer yeah. and stuff no no this was the medical room oh yeah and it was literally just where you put your hand in front of your face trying to see your hand it was there and you can't even say it was cold because you're underground no no it was it was absolutely cold. boiling yeah, it was and you can hear a pin drop as well, which is mm. another thing about the place. I'm not bearing in mind, we've been stood in there for like 10 minutes and nothing, I couldn't see anything, I was trying to adjust my eyes. Do you know what it's just killed me? <clears throat> I've said my first paranormal experience. It isn't, because my first paranormal experience is when everyone went upstairs in that place and disappeared to go and have a tea and coffee and yeah, cake and whatnot. Down, I stayed down because I got lost, I didn't know where the hell I was going. But when we first went to this location, this RAF place, this bunker, the woman, the guy who was running it said, there was a dog that was born down there and died down there but you will hear it's bell and i was like do you know when someone just says it quickly you think yeah whatever when i got lost down there i've managed to find a long corridor and all i can explain this long corridor look like is when you go for an operation and you're lying on a bed and all you can see is these lights going above your head it's like an ambient light one of the yeah it's like strip lights on the corridor yeah yeah them them tube tubular lights them one they were just full of them and i remember walking down there and as i'm walking down must admit hand on heart i had a bit of a pace to my walk because i wanted to get out there because i knew i was by myself I heard a clear bell of a dog and I looked down and when I looked down I realised shit I've just heard that bell, that bell and I literally my, my walk went to a bit of a uh, run yeah. yeah you had to climb a lot of ladders to get out of yeah. there you? you was far down yeah down. I remember and you could hear a pin drop so to hear this clear bell and I had no keys on me or anything like that at the time so I had nothing originally to make. You know when you hear a bell of uh, on a dog normally, yeah, it just sounded like little, so realistic. Yeah. yeah, that was definitely my first one. Then I just completely forgot. You just reminded me about that location. I'm thinking, what, yeah, Grey Street or in general. <laughs> but the Grey Street, the the, the noise, uh, the voice of Rachel was my first one. So that's answered that question. In general, the Grey Street. Um, yeah, like I was saying, Andy is a money-making person and he has bought the location to do that. Behind the actual property itself, the house itself, they had an old outbuilding and they actually turned that into a museum. The thing is that they haven't turned it into a museum based on the Grey Street. They've just bought any Tom, Dick and Harry, anything from markets or any kind of places like that, and they've just crammed this building full of stuff basically yeah, they've, done, they've done like themed rooms haven't they segregated like witch's yeah. room uh, what was it one Victorian one seance room yeah and they, uh, they had that bed um, uh, it was um, oh, what, what do you call that room can't we call it now like where you like a jail cell no where, the, where you, when you lie in there and they drain oh, your blood it was that house wasn't it they drain your blood no I don't want that one it's one of them hospital beds oh like a morgue yeah that's the yeah, one morgue, morgue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah so they had a morgue they had all different rooms um, some of the stuff in there, believe it or not, was all right. It was nice, to, good to look at, like a war room and stuff like that. It looked really, really good. You yeah. know, but I think that's what I was going for. Same with the house, it gives you that feeling, feeling when you're walking in. Yeah, definitely. You definitely got that feeling when you walked in there. Deadly cold. You, you can the breeze coming through the building was absolutely shocking, especially when you're investigating at like one o'clock in the morning. So they've done that. Um, we we investigated the Grey Street, the house, the main house first. It wasn't personally 
I thought uh, as active as what you'd think. No, it definitely wasn't. From what we'd seen and what we've heard in the papers and, you know, I'd seen other groups experiencing, yeah. it was a bit disheartened with the overall, the yeah. The overall, um, the, the overall feel of the place, yep, that fitted, that was 10 out of 10. The actual paranormal that we picked up, not so much. I think the only thing I can say is when we did the house, when we brought those motion balls into cooperation with it, yeah got, when you was doing your solo mm. that come up on obviously the corridor it got set off on cue by yourself asking that yeah and then the other part was when we was downstairs we got some of those sls captures oh gosh yeah which was on there. the chair next to you yeah. um we did think it was the lamp at first but we tried to debunk it by going around and doing it again it did not map back in so it wasn't about causing it there was also another thing downstairs um when Andy was there, this mm. before we left us to it. Oh, the, the babble, yeah, yeah. So basically what happened is, um, we, I normally do a sweep of the EMF detector, go around to see if there's any hot spots. In the living room, it was going off, you know, high constantly. So we wasn't sure why it was doing it. It's when you got to the um, the table, the dining room, which is like a through, through lounge, it stopped, it just gone off. So anyway, we took the couch apart, not literally, but sort of cushions off, checked behind, there's no sockets there, nothing like that. So we couldn't really explain what was causing that. Um, then we then checked and there was an extension cable going from behind the TV, which was going into the through lounge, into the dining room, which is connecting up to the CCTV to power that, the main box. So I put the EMF there and it was quite high, but then again, when we was coming to the dining room, close to it wasn't too high. Now we thought, right, that's it, it's debunked. That's what's causing the EMF. Now, when Andy was there, he um, put the Bible on the floor and we put the EMF detector on there and one next to it so with two and it was just flat. Andy started talking, asking questions because as Andy owns the building, he's been there quite a lot. They're quite familiar with him. Started asking questions and there was literally, you know, a spiking on cue, um, which was amazing. It was, you know, this is before we left us on our own to do our own thing and... Like I say, we can't explain why, you know, at the time, um, what was going on there because we'd sweeped that full room and was getting, like I say, from the right side of the room, you was getting high spikes, but in the, in the living room, you was getting full spikes everywhere. Um, but at the minute, it was flat. But then as soon as Andy was asking questions, it was flagging up and, you know. On cue. On cue. Which yeah. was, it was amazing. And we was we was like, right, we're in for a good night. And that was the same, the same night when Dave got that ball um, going off. In the hallway. Balls in the hallway, yeah. Yeah, I must admit, yeah, again, I forgot about that part. No, you are correct. It was good because we asked, at the present time, we had Mark on the team, um, and for him to be kind of shocked at that time kind of made it a lot more better than what it should have been um, because Mark's one of those people that if you're not playing chess or doing your food shop with a spirit and you can literally touch, talk, and uh, plan your next day oh, with yeah. him, he, he don't believe. So. Yeah. So to him to actually look a bit puzzled at why it actually happened kind of made it more worthwhile, and it was a good bit of evidence to capture. Bearing in mind the concrete, uh, the floor was actually pure concrete as well. Yeah, yeah, which so the there was we're nothing. We just stamping on the floor, trying to see if any vibrations causing it. Yeah. Again, we can't explain it. We did try, like I said, we we sweeped around, we found a cause maybe for the spikes in the living room, but that extension cable was going through to the um, dining area. But then when we'd situated it on the floor, um, on top of that barbell. It was just flat until Andy started asking questions and then it started to spike on cue. There's definitely, I mean, hand on heart, there's definitely paranormal activity and a residual haunt in there. That's for sure. I mean, yeah, definitely, yeah. Definitely, yeah. With all the, all the little kids that have gone through the door, um, a lot of 
a lot of deaths recorded at the property. And more importantly, John the owner passing um he passed in his sleep, believe it or not, in his own home, yeah. And then but we got E V how did we know John was still there? Did we get E V P's back confirming it, if I remember rightly? It's been such a long time since we've done the great. I'm sure we got um, an E V P saying Cause no, no, it wasn't. I'm sure. Was it something to do with when you had that dream regarding Rachel? Oh yeah, that was John. it. John protects the place, and he doesn't yeah, like that, the star of getting out. That Dave's dream um, is on our channel, so if you want to watch, watch that and check it out. Dave goes through all the details of this dream he had once we've been to the Grey Street one night. Um, it was a weird one. It was that. the first time we had Rachel in your ear. Actually. Yeah, it was the it so was yeah, night after. Yeah, so yeah, check it out. You know, if you want to see the full detail of that. I can explain um, shortly about actually what happened. So since the Rachel incident when I had that voice in my ear, of course we'd done the full investigation and we'd gone home. Um, we got home about 2 o'clock in the morning, so at that point, nine, 9 times out of 10, I'd look for evidence and whatnot, but when you're doing an investigation for so long, you're absolutely knackered. I went straight to bed. Went straight to bed, um, and I, I remember I put my laptop on and I put some kind of film on and fell asleep with that playing. I woke up to um, no what it was, I fell asleep, and I remember, it's been a while since I mentioned this. Um, I want to put your uh, video up. Yeah, I should put my video up to try my I remember, in my, I, I pretty much had this dream, and I seen Rachel, she stood in front of me, and she she was a really small girl, 13, 14, give and take, uh, long brown hair, and you couldn't see her face. Her face looked like a porcelain doll. Mm. And when she spoke, you didn't um, see her mouth or face move. But you can hear it in your head. Yeah, yeah. So you can hear what she's saying in her head. And she said, she, she had her arms out. She put both her arms out. Like That was I remember seeing, yeah. Yeah. To come towards, to, yeah, to, yeah. For me to, to reach and reach out and grab her. But in my dream, because when I've, I said one, I'll say one main thing, right? A dream. When you're, when you're in a subconscious state and you're dreaming, that's the most dangerous thing oh, you can yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. anything can happen to you because you're in a subconscious state. Yeah. So if you've got anything paranormal that wants to either attach to you or speak to you or communicate, your dream is probably the best way it's going to do it. Yeah. Because you cannot control your body. No, no, yeah. Now, when this happened to me and she was reaching out, I was flicking out like crazy in my bed. I know I was because when I woke up, the cover was gone. <laughs> the cover was gone, the cushions were gone. So I've been basically trying to fight her off. Yeah, yeah. But when this was going on, and she had her arms out, she said, my name is Rachel. Did you hear my voice? John protects the property and doesn't like his story getting out. So I said, why? So he said, because he is scared that if his story gets out, people are going to know how much of a bad man he was kind of thing so i was like what the hell and of course i woke up I woke up in a deep sweat cover was everywhere cushions were at the side of the side of room um and i didn't actually register the dream when i first woke up i just thought i had a nightmare but i couldn't remember it it's only the, when i went to work that day you start to piece it back i started together. piecing it back together yeah. like what happened and but then it happened again the, the following night but this time she only put one arm out and she said um john does stay in the property he died at his home and he just stay in the property, and there's more than one kid at the at the, the Grey Street, um, including Rachel herself, and he controls everything from start to finish. Any spirits regarding the kids that want to communicate with like people like us, paranormal teams, has to go through him first, and if he doesn't want it to happen, it never did. And it kind of made sense, really, because the whole investigation for the eight weeks was very sporadic in its evidence that were yeah. caught. So yeah, sometimes you'll have something, and sometimes you won't, and then... Sometimes you'd walk in, you'd have this feeling where they want to communicate and you'd have um, the balls going off in the hallway and my solo, yeah. stuff like that. And then sometimes you'd go in there and you'd have nothing for eight, eight, nine hours and you think, what is going on? But yeah, that dream thing, it's, it will stay with me for probably the rest of my life because I've never gone through that again. And she'd never come back into my dream because 
I think she did it twice. She had she said what she had to say. And did I, I did I go back to that property? And I, I did. I asked out in the bedroom. I said, "Did you did you come into my dreams?" And yeah, I think you did. Yeah, and I'm so there, I think on the weekend. I'm sure yeah. we caught an EVP saying confirming that I did. I can't remember now. I'm sure it said yes, or an EVP was captured in the room when I was doing it. I can't remember. It's been a while ago. You have to watch the episode. It's a five part episode on uh, on our YouTube channel, um, just based on the property itself. That and the museum behind it. A lot of various bits of evidence was captured. Some of it very. <clears throat> How can I put it? Um, some of it strong and some of it not so strong. But it was our first investigation, so it was all pretty much learning. Plus, I didn't edit it myself. We had another person called Mark. He edited it. So a lot of evidence was dropped. It wasn't used. Yeah. We wanted to use it, me and Brett, because we wanted it more of a raw footage deal. Um, but Mark had his own ideas um, of how he wanted to portray it to the general public. Uh, and, of course, a lot of evidence was dropped due to that. I think if we went back to that location again, me and Brett, uh, it'd be and a totally different investigation. Oh, it'd be different yeah. investigation. We'll probably pick up completely different evidence, and I think we'd do a better job. But at that present time, it was fresh, it was new, um, and I think that's that was our stumbling block. But we had to learn. We had that's to learn it, somewhere. Yeah. You know, it's it was a great location to learn, and you know, we've, like I say, we've come stronger and stronger and stronger since being there. Um, I mean, overall evidence in that house that was pretty much it, wasn't it? Then we moved over to the museum. Yeah, museum. Um, I don't think we got much in the museum. I did. Bit, oh. I want to say this one thing about the museum. Oh, I'm right. probably going to say. Depends. <clears throat> so we go to the museum. Um, me and Dave and Steve was there at the time. Andy was there, but he left to go do some paperwork. Um, so we goes up to the witch's room. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. So we goes in the witch's room and then top floor. Goes, yeah, top floor. So we've um, Steve been there. He's you know he's a good caller out when he does call because he used to do ghost hunts years ago. I went on a couple of ghost hunts with him. Um, to the Steve Ni- Steve Nishaw, if everyone yeah. wants check him out. Is a he's not as nice man as what people make no, out, but no. yeah. Um, but check yeah, we was in this room and we were just you know we was chatting and then Steve started calling out and when Steve calls out he's real dramatic about it and he's, he's real serious <laughs> and it you know you're trying not to laugh at the time. Uh, Anyway, we sat there and um, we had the EVP recorder running. So Steve was calling out, nothing much. And then he called out again. And then we heard this noise. So me and Dave looked at each other as if to say, what the hell's that? Um, and it sounded like well, all I can think is, you know, you get, like, yeah, when you get birds fighting, like <laughs> seagulls or birds. Yeah. So it's. Steve, I can remember this day. I looked at Steve and his face, oh. and he just went, oh, oh my God. Like, proper Derek Akora. Yeah. Um, this has got in socks. And I was like, hang on a minute. I need to try and debunk this. <laughs> so I was like, right, ask it again. I'll ask another question. So he did. And he did it, it again. It went off again. So I was like, I was, you know, shocked at, at the same time. It, so sound, was, it sounded like a witch's scream, cackle yeah, scream. Yeah, yeah. But the, the questions in between wasn't too much out of sync, you know, regarding time. So I said, right, wait a minute. Wait two minutes, three minutes or so. Then I said, right, ask it again. So he did it again. That's another question. And then we got nothing. So I don't know where it was. I it think was, I, It was freaky at the time. I've got an idea what it was. Right. But I do remember seeing like they had this bed or an owl. No, no, no. Oh, right, I, okay. no I, think, yeah, I think you'll agree when I say this. Go on then. When uh, Andy apparently disappeared to do paperwork, I've seen him do his paperwork. He sits in his van and literally writes crap. He's a, he, he cleans bins for a living, so what kind of paperwork do you need to clean bins at the end of the day? So, but when he, he left, we went upstairs into the museum 
literally 15 minutes it took us to get up there and start everything out. I like to say he left the room first and we were still in that room for a good 10 minutes. Yeah. He went down that corridor and he could have gone up the stairs, couldn't no, he? No, but I think, he, no, because he left the property completely. Oh, right, okay. And he left the property completely to get in his van to go home to do paperwork at home. But then all of a sudden we get this witch's kind of like cackle. And we've been in that room before and never heard Never that. heard that. And it, do you know when you have a paranormal experience and you think that's just too good to be true? Um, and that, as soon as we all, well, as soon as I heard it personally, I thought it was a bit too good to be true. And I, I didn't like the sound of it straight away. <laughs> it was it was a case of when I actually listened back through the footage, um, yeah, I, we, we dropped record, it. Didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I dropped the whole thing because I thought if I put that online, people are just going to absolutely laugh at us. And throw a first investigation. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not going to happen. Well. I honestly think, hand on heart, Andy went outside and made them noises because a few times we caught Andy in situations in the pocket where oh, he no, shouldn't have been. To be fair, no, yeah, you have said. You're that to me before when we'd been because an alleyway goes in through the house. Yeah, but and I said to you, and I said, yeah, but how could that be? Because there was both in line on sync after the questions. How would you heard Steve asking the question? But it was it was like eleven o'clock at night. The the building that I was in, it ain't got yeah, double glazed windows. It's, it's got wooden doors, yeah, yeah. and I've not got the quietest of voice. No, it was quite loud, Steve. Steve, stopped, yeah, God, yeah, it's like a fog yeah. arm when he speaks. Yeah. So he said it a bit too loud. Course, he's gonna be downstairs on the ground floor. Well, not even on the ground floor, so outside the like building. It was, outside, didn't it? Yeah. it was definitely outside. Yeah, I, I personally, my personal opinion is it's definitely. I just remember man and yours first when we first heard that noise, and we was like, What the hell is that? Oh, it's just and, it, and, and it, I think, and then Steve's reaction to it is like, oh, It's dramatic or what? I know, <laughs> he's used to it. I'll tell you a bit more about Steve, Steve Nishaw. Check him out. <laughs> There's actually news that news articles about this guy. Mm. So when they when he got in contact with me to do this the Grey Street thing, and of course Andy ex, um, explains to us what he wants out of the whole deal thing. It was Steve that was orchestrating it from start to finish. Steve is a very manipulative, two-faced, not very nice man. To your face, he's the nicest man ever. Behind your back, he's the opposite. He is one of those people that will use someone or something to get what he wants as in his own gain and then brush you off under the carpet now ever since we didn't did the gray street with him we was hearing so many rumors about the guy and people's contacting me independently on social saying look i've dealt with steve please be careful this is what happened with me take your time with the guy it will literally fuck you so i didn't pay too much attention to it until it did start happening to us um, little things was cropping up like I was telling him information to pass to Andy because we was really behind the scenes putting effort into this 24 hour, 24 hour operation 24 hour operation CCTV thing he wanted the website was built and Andy was a hard man to get in contact with so I used to go through Steve and then when I did get in contact with Andy Andy was like nothing he was like he's, he's been told nothing so I'm giving all this information to Steve and nothing's going straight from from Steve to Andy so he's leaving Andy in the dark all the time which was annoying and then little stories that I was hearing about, uh, how can I put it? Andy's one of those people that has these bright spark ideas and never follows them through. So he was opening these companies up, whether it was, um, De- what do you call them? One, the one down as a load. Funeral parlors. Yeah, he was opening funeral parlors up and stuff like that and taking people's money, promising um, exactly what they want to hear. And then it came to light that he did this for a good period of time. And then when he had enough money, he uh, up sticks, uh, grabbed his bag and went abroad, took everyone's money. Funerals that had been paid for and all been started. No, I think that was the other guy, the other owner part of it. But was I, think, I think, yeah. Oh, yeah I think Steve, was, the, was the way, the way Steve was, I think, has probably been Steve's idea from start to finish. Um, just little things like he used to say to me, he lives in this big house in Kingswood. 
<laughs> this is the funny part. You know this part, don't you? Um, and um, he's, he's living a really comfortable life. Bear in mind, this guy drove a Ford Focus, and this thing was held together by the bed shit. It was literally that and rushed kept this car together. Which you don't judge. I mean, at the end of the day, a car's a car, but it's one of the things that came to my head. And then he said he lives in this big house in Kingswood, but it's only when I spoke to uh, an external person, I won't name a name, she told me she had a lot more information on him. He did have a house in Kingswood, but he lives with his daughter. I think his daughter had a kid as well. Um, yeah, she did. She, she, has, she lives, he lives with his daughter. Ben man Steve is well into his 50s, and he lives with his daughter, and he drives this old car. Just little things like that, just mm, red flag, red flag, red flag. Um, and then we, we wanted to go to the property to do investigations. I had to go through Steve, and he would either turn up really late um, or just not seem f- really bothered about it because... At the end of the day, we had this deal with Andy that was going to do his part of the deal with the guy on the CCTV. And our, our part of the deal was we get unprecedented rights to the Grey Street, which we were both amicably happy with. Um, and Steve was the one to let us in. But because we contacted Steve more than what he thought we should do, he just wasn't happy. Um, and then um, his social media, that's another thing. He portrayed his social media as one thing. But when I inquired about it, it was totally the opposite. So he lived this social media lie. He betrayed out to people that was on his social media that he was had companies up to the hill. He had a um, big cottage in um, Whitby, was it? Um, and he had a big house in um, Kingswood. He's doing really well. This, um, but everyone I was speaking to was saying, no, it's totally untrue. It's totally opposite. So this guy from start to finish, which is red flags all the way through, and to speaking to him one on one is fine. After that, totally opposite. And he just made life really, really awkward with the degree. Andy was fine. You can deal with Andy. He's, he's a real nice gentleman. And I I got along with him really well. But Steve, um, it was totally opposite. And to the point where when I spoke to Andy about Steve, Andy agreed to everything I said. I, he knew what Steve was like. But yet, there's something going on between them two. They just seemed to bounce off each other. Yeah. And so yeah. we did eight weeks at this property. And we believed we've drained everything we could out of it at that present time. So we made a five-part series and we, um, we jogged on to our next investigation. But I would say, safely, the Grey Street, yes, it is active. The museum behind it, yes, it is active as well. Not as active as what's been made out because I think they use their social media and the the news regarding the property to their own advantage. And the way it looks with all the decor. Yeah. So when it first comes into the news, if you look at the old articles, and it shows um, Andy in some interviews and things like that, and it shows you what the Grey Street looks like when it first comes out. Normal house, and it? was it? was literally it looked literally looks like Fertie East Drive, just like a normal lived-in house. Whereas now you'll see if you if you watch the episode, it's just cluttered with dolls. I mean, dolls galore, aren't they? Yeah. It's just dolls everywhere. Sometimes they made me jump on some doll because you one just on a wardrobe, <laughs> just doll's head. Yeah, they're hanging from the ceiling. It's pitch black, and you walk, and I was oh god, what's that? And it's, yeah, it's a doll. Yeah, they do. Um, I mean. I, I can safely say I don't regret going there and doing what we did. I mean, yes, we made this website and yes, we put a, a lot of hours into it and we got nothing from it. In my head, we got nothing from it. But in theory, we did because we got a five-part series episode yeah, out of we it. Did. We'd been we at the Great Street. We got the experience and we learned from it. Uh, and the learn part is probably the biggest thing that I'll ever take away from that because I learned a hell of a lot, whether it's um, calling out, 
um, doing a paranormal investigation, making sure your cameras are pointing in the right direction at all times, making sure your sound quality is good, this, that, and the other. Um, we had to learn all that from scratch. So having such a long time at DeGray Street, yes, I can safely say we did get something good from it. But I do believe the far part episode could have been a lot better if I was editing it because I'm very strategic in, in, in bonal regarding editing. Um, I make sure that everything is captured you love raw footage yeah nothing it. is missed and i do it myself because i watch i watch groups now and they're just raw footage you know it's just ir purely through and that's what i like that's what i want to see yeah same here and i think it's just the best way of going forward but to get to the stage where we're at now we had to do a, a location like the gray street um andy um lovely guy uh real nice guy but like i say money making scheme they've got with that property 50 pound a head to go there from nine till three o'clock in the morning uh don't bother I personally think don't bother. It's just not worth the money. It's not worth the hassle. Plus, if you want to break your ankle or your neck, that's another thing you've got to look into because the place is a death trap from start to finish. It's cold, it's dingy, it's damp. Um, and I just think it's just not worth... the. It, in my head, It's if it's a business, it needs to have set standards of health and safety because the general public are going out there from outside to investigate this location. Yeah, you don't sign a disclaimer, we never did. No, we never did, no. So I think they need to look into that before they even go further with it. Um, if they had a uh, if they had a whole city council pe- person come down and check the health and safety of it, knowing what they're doing, they'd mm. shut it down straight away. Yeah. So it's on thin ice. Um, but again, it's up to anyone in Hull. If you're listening from Hull, if you want to go view it and have a look, bear in mind you'd be paying fifty, sixty, seventy quid or whatever. Then yeah, go for it. But I would personally say just don't bother. Yeah. Or if it's been on your radar, you know you're a, you're investigating yourself, or you want to get into the field and it's been on your radar, you know. You know, go. You know, get you get the experience you need. But as I say, we, you know, for the price, what they're charging, it's we we got lucky. We had a you know we had a deal with them to. We didn't get charged anything, do we? No, we didn't charge anything. So we got a, a you know a good bargain of it really. Um, and like I say, we we stuck to our part, and they just didn't cooperate. I do believe though, if you did go there and investigate it, you probably get some paranormal activity there. Um, if you're there at the right day at the right time, yeah. you probably will get something. Uh, we was looking, we had eight weeks there, so we had a lot of, we had over 16 hours we worth of footage. We on a Saturday, didn't we? But we did do a few during the week, didn't we? I did. Oh, no, wait there. Um, I did with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, so we had a lot of lot of hours there at this place. Um, so we was looking enough where we spent so much time there, we can actually pretty much get the evidence that we needed, what I thought we needed. But if you're going to go on investigation from nine till two o'clock, I don't think the six hours that you get is, is long enough, really. This house is haunted, but I think it lets itself know whenever it wants. Um, and if it doesn't want to, you won't hear skiddly squat from it, will you? No, no. So that, that's under Grey Street. I, I mean, if I ever get the chance to go back there again, I probably would, just for, just to say that I can. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just to see what it's no, like. It would be interesting to go back, but I mean, it's not up there on the list got, of things to do. We've got a location we'll wrap up our money into, mm. um, then go back to a location we've been to before. I mean, yeah, you do do revisits. We're on about revisiting Manny Arms, but I mean, Manny Arms was phenomenal. Um, yeah. So we definitely want to go back there. Definitely. But yeah, it's it's never say never. No. Um, and we'll just see what what the future brings. But I can't see it being on the radar this year. No, I hope not. <laughs> no, but anyway, uh, yeah, that was degree. But didn't you say we've got some stories or questions? I, yeah, definitely. Um, I Go put I put on episode one that if you want to send any questions in, uh, any stories in, and by all means do so on any of our socials, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you know it goes. Uh, and I got a lot back. Um, I got well, let's go like cutting stories straight. Yeah, right. 
Uh, personal life. I've just changed job. Uh, I've just changed job, so I've gone from one job to another. Um, I got maybe redundant from one company, but I ended up working across the world at another company. Get the violins out. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm getting to it. Um, and I enjoy it. It's good. It's four on four off, so I needed the time to to run what we're doing now with After Dark. So it kind of it fits well for me. I met a guy called Billy. Billy is a. Well, his real name's Steve, but his nickname's Billy. Right, okay. What's yeah. his nickname, Billy? I don't know. I don't ask. <laughs> but anyway, he was uh, he's explaining a few things to me. Do you remember? It's still there now. The um, club down uh, Beverly Road, not far from here. Welly. Is it Welly? Is oh, it yeah, down Beverly? What's yeah. What's still open now? Yeah. Yeah, still open now. He um, went in there with his partner. Now, right. bear in mind, he knows what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows what I'm doing now. Yeah. So, uh, for some reason, he just wanted to tell me the story off the back of his head. And it, it became chilled on the back of my spine. And I've got to try and remember it because I've not wrote any of it down. Right, okay. and it's all coming from my head. So he went to this uh, this welly club. Um, this was uh, two thousand. He said the year two thousand seven. I think he said it was, um, or maybe two thousand. No, I think it's two thousand seven. Um, he went there with his partner. So they, they walked in. His partner went to the bar, and uh, Billy, his real name Steve. We'll just call him Billy for argument's sake. Yeah, yeah, call him Billy. Yeah, he was simple. Yeah, <laughs> he went to the toilet. Um, he came back out the toilet, and from what Billy mentioned, he said he had um, he want to steady on his feet, uh, and this bouncer clocked it. And he clocked it and grabbed him by the, pretty much the scruff of his neck and threw him out, um, thinking he was drunk and for whatever reason disorderly in any way, shape or form. But they didn't, they didn't just throw him out, they beat him to an inch of his life outside because this bouncer that grabbed him was going through issues personally and he just wanted to take it out on someone and unfortunately Steve, uh, Billy was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, yeah. Now this is where the story gets really interesting. So he was knocked unconscious. He had a fractured eye socket. Um, I think he had a. He might have had a bleed. I think he had a bleed on the brain. And he had a fractured skull. So he was li- literally bad. Yeah, it was yeah. bad. So of course he went to hospital. Um, he was in a coma for three weeks. Three weeks. Now this is where the story gets really weird. I ain't told you this yet, have I? You don't no, know. No, no, you don't tell me so he was in a coma for three weeks. He um, when he was in this coma, he said that. This woman came up to him and he said that he couldn't see her facial features. I've said this before. Right, okay. And when she spoke, um, he couldn't see her mouth move, but he right. could hear her in her head. Yeah, yeah. Right. This is, <laughs> this is why it gave me the chills. I'm waiting. Right. <laughs> she had a gold, um, like, floral like container in her hand. Right. And she opened up and, like... Like a box? Yeah, no, it was round, yeah. Um, oh, right. And then gave it to him. Um, but he didn't grab it. And then she let go of it and it floated in the air. She then took nail clippings of his feet and his hands and a cutting of his hair and put it in this container and closed the lid and this con- this container floated up into the air and disappeared. He then turned, She then turned around and said, follow me. So he was like, okay, whatever, I'll follow you. She turned around and the walked to these... He explained as these doors were absolutely humongous. Massive doors, double doors. And these doors opened. And it's like something out of a film. Yeah, yeah. When he explained this part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this tunnel was as bright as as bright you can ever have. It was that bright it blinded you. But then you walked... It was, it was both walking down this tunnel and right at the end was uh, another door. And she stopped him. And she said, when you walk through this door, that is it. Oh, no, 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 no. She, she turned around and said, will you walk through this door? Oh, right, okay. He then turned around and said, no, I don't want to walk through the door. I don't feel comfortable walking through that door. Because he apparently said in his subconscious mind, he knew if he walked through the door, he's not waking up in, in his sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she said, 
stay there, I'll be back. And she disappeared. Then she came back however long later and said, oh, okay, it's not your time, you can go back. He then woke up in his bed, but didn't wake up, subconsciously woke up, and in that room, the hospital room, there was three other beds with three other patients on, and they were um, in the comas as well. So they were pretty much in a similar state to yeah, what he is. Yeah. This woman was walking around each bed and checking on upon him each time, and she, he could physically see it with his own eyes. And he said it's the weirdest thing he's ever had happened to him in his life. And he was telling me this at work, bearing in mind it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. I had chills going down my spine thinking, the, the ball thing, the <laughs> yeah, ball right. in the hair, the yeah, nail clippings. Yeah. So he explained it like that, and I was like, well, what happened after that? And he said, to be honest with you, I, I realised when I woke up finally, and I asked the nurse, I said, how long have I been out for? And the nurse said, you've been in a coma for three weeks. And he, remem- and he said he remembered this thing happened so vividly. Yeah. But when he explained the story, everything stood out to me. The ball, the nail clippings, the double doors, the saying he wasn't ready. But then the woman walking around the other three beds. Yeah, checking on them. Checking on them to see the if they can go through, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's definitely... So, uh, I love that story. And I did say to him at the time, I said, Billy, real name Steve, I'm going to be using that. He said, yeah, no problem, <laughs> mate. You can use it. Make sure you check us out, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> so we did get questions sent in. That was the first story that I got told, and I had to use it on this episode because it was something that stuck to my mind. And we did get a lot of questions in from all around the world, believe it or not from Italy to America, uh, Brussels, you name it, we've, we've had it. The first question we did get, it was from, uh, I think it was on my Instagram, uh, from somebody called Reality Remixer. Now, I've already answered this question, we both have. What was our first paranormal experience? Now, we've already answered it, didn't yeah. we? So, we don't need to go out. That's that, a bit premature, I think, from yeah. on our part, that one. We're still learning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had another question from Michelle Weber. Do you feel the sadness of a person's past? Oh, sorry. I'll start that again. Do you feel pers- Do you feel the sadness of a person past life as you're walking in their footsteps? She's uh, from Pennsylvania. So when you go into a location and there's a sad story that's connected to it, do you actually feel that emotion? I can um, say for sure I have, but I I went on an investigation and you wasn't I'm, there. I think it makes you when you know the background history um, of a location that you're going to go to. I think it does sort of sit in your mind, especially if there's children involved. Um, I think that more affects me because I've got children myself. Um, but yeah, no, there's definitely something, I can't really explain it, but yeah, there's something what's in your mind when you go to some type of location like that compared to just a standard location where there's not much history about but you're going there to find, you know, the story to that building or property. I personally couldn't agree more. I went to a uh, property which was built in the 19... 19- 30s, 1930s, 1940s and it used to be an old people's home and it was run for approximately 20 years as an old people's home. Now, you picture an old people's home, a lot of people come and go from this old people's home but a lot of people when you're old, you get to that age literally you get put into a home and the person, the old person themselves um, they'll feel lonely, hurt confused um, and I think a lot of people have been through this building and this had happened so when we walked into the building, my personal opinion is you could feel a sadness on you. It, it was so heavy. Uh, you knew that something had gone on here and you knew there was a lot of sadness in the end. When we did the full investigation, by God, it came out literally that there was a lot of um, hurt there. A lot of um, spirits that still reside there still made themselves known, definitely made themselves known for that full investigation and I fully, I fully enjoyed it in that place. But you think, though, when these, these people die... Um, 
the family have just left them and the last thing these remember is the four walls of this building that they've been left in and nine times out of ten if they're hurt and distraught and confused they just won't pass over and they won't go over to the light and i think that is ha that happened here and i think there was over 20 spirits that reside in this in this house and that full investigation we did we went back twice it was that good um they made themselves known um at that present time so yeah i definitely totally agree um yeah you you do you will feel it when you walk in uh, the sadness um and a lot of spirits will try and portray their sadness over to to yourself to try and let you know exactly what they've gone through or what they've been through so yeah i, I definitely agree with that one so michelle hopefully that's answered your question for that Thanks, uh, Michelle. <laughs> we've got another one from lucy walker she's from brussels uh <laughs> this is for you but for me <laughs> yeah Brett has only been in a few episodes. Uh, why is that? Your episodes are great, by the way. Why have you only been in a few episodes, Brett? I'm a busy guy, Lucy. Oh, God. <laughs> so, pretty much, when we first started the Grey Street... Um, sorry. The Grey Street? Yeah. <laughs> when we first started um, HGC, there we, go. Um, we did a few investigations by ourselves. Then there was a lot of change in the background. Um, Mark, um, he went up. He didn't start editing anymore. I took over that role. Um, and Brett... Pfft, He's just, shift as well, wasn't he? Shift to change at your old job. Oh, well. yeah, the work scenario changed, yeah. So, getting time, I was getting more time during the week and not weekends. So, Brett struggled to get through investigations because he works during the week. Um, if it's if it's locally, like, or it's close by, like, yeah. say, Manchester Round or something in Hull or not far out, then I can do during the week. But because of my shifts, like, 8, 5, 9, nine 6, um, you can only do weekends. Yeah, we, we, weekends are better because you're not rushing anything. You're and not, I was not trying to fit it all in. And I was working weekends. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. So, and I mean, they've kept the content rolling, which is great, and there's great episodes. I just wished I was there on some of the occasions. So I'm hoping uh, you've got this a lot year he's going to take me to a few of them. You've got a lot to make up to. I know. You I got, have. You should be at my feet kissing them. I won't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the reason why Brett um, Lucy's. But Lucy. I'll be in a lot more this year, so stick with us. <laughs> oh, God, it's going to go downhill from here. <laughs> We've got another one from Seth. He's from Kansas City in the mighty USA. Uh, he asked, You both have a great chemistry on screen, and it works really well, I think. Um, it's really cool. Having a podcast also makes you stand out. My question is, where did the passion for what you're doing come from, and why? You can answer that first. Um, <clears throat> where did it come from? I know where mine came from. But where did yours come from? I don't know. I think when I used to just watch, you know, watch Most Haunted and things like that, um, I just sort of become intrigued regarding it. And just, you know, I say, you know, like like what we're about, the unknown, and what's happening after life after death and things like that. And then, obviously, me and Dave decided to go on the ghost hunts together, originally before HGC, and it's sort of built from there, really. I just sort of got a... Uh, hunger for it and then like I said there was a gap you know a good few years where we just you know just stopped but I kept always being interested in watching different paranormal groups so it's always been there really my personal thing is I would say safely it's because seeing is seeing feeling is totally different I was seeing it on TV and I want a part of it that's pretty much it yeah which we explained in the last episode yeah, I, yeah we did explain it in the last episode the experiences yeah. as well there's nothing better than actually going to a haunted location, what you believe is haunted at that present time, or is known to be haunted, and doing an investigation yourself and experiencing what they experience on TV and actually going through it yourself. Because I'm not kidding you now, the senses that you have in your body that you use on investigations um, are honestly unreal. They really are unreal. And they, uh, it just makes it, makes it more worthwhile. Makes it more worthwhile when you're doing the investigation to, to feel what 
you should be feeling on a, on a paranormal experience. And like I say, getting whispers in your ears, hearing bangs, getting touched. I've been touched now a few times, seeing my fair shadow figure, stuff like that. I can say, say seeing it on TV is one thing, but doing it and going through it myself is definitely That's my goal this year, I think. I want to, <laughs> you know, have those experiences. Like I say, I've not had loads of experiences regarding some of the investigations we've been on. I mean, you know, some bits, some, you know, and some not. No, it's, it's definitely, and that's the reason why we set up what we're doing. Um, not just for us, cause, well, yes, it is a bit is for us, but more importantly, it's, it's, it's to put that content out there for the general public to decipher and decide what they want to believe. We do the investigations, we do the editing, we get the um, the evidence that's needed, and we put it into a, a nice, good series yeah. for for and people to watch. We like to do it because we've, there's no control. We, we've, we're, we're in control of everything. Instead of going with a, a massive group like we used to years and years and years ago, mm. you've got to go by what they say. You know, you can't do no free roaming. Um, whereas that's you know that's what we wanted to do. Exactly. No, definitely. And I hope that's answered your question. I really do. But that's pretty much where we're at. at it. Uh, we, we've got another one from uh, Amanda Weir from Leeds in the mighty UK. Uh, you guys are fab, loving the podcast and the YouTube channel. Keep up the great work. Brett reminds me of Aaron Goodwin on Ghost Adventures. Funny, witty, and keeps getting thrown into solos. It's great to watch. Brett, are you just overly scared of your own shadow? Question mark. And have you both looked at doing this full time? Um, no, I'm not overly scared of my shadow. <laughs> you know much of a shadow, it's small. <laughs> the main basis beside that is me, when I'm jumping is because I'm more wary of where Dave is because Dave Should does like to make me jump nah. so that's why if you ever ask me to do a solo and you see you'll see it on our footage and stuff and I'm like well I'll decide um, I still end up doing it anyway but then you'll see you are jumping though there. Yeah, well, when I'm down there I'm thinking where is Dave where's Dave <laughs> wait there no 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 no. wait there in Manchester Rams you went into the cellar yeah where could I be apart from I'm not in the cellar well, with you no you didn't go straight away <laughs> yeah where was out was that, well, uh, yeah, was that sad for? you throw that thing down and made me jump. And I was like, that's why. Oh, sh- <laughs> I think that's just an extreme excuse. When, when I did my solo in the grocery, Dave was begging me. This is after the ball had just gone off the corridor. Mm. Dave then showed me the footage prior to me doing my solo in the same room. Um, so I was like, right, okay, I'll do it. But Dave was like, do it for 20 minutes. Like, no, I'll do it for 10. <laughs> but he did so 20, I, though. He did yeah, 20. Well, about 18, wasn't it? Um, so I said, right, okay, I'll do that. So, yeah, I sat in there and, you know, most things going from my head is like, where's Dave? I knew he was downstairs out of the building. Um, I could sort of vaguely hear him and Mark at the time and they were sort of towards near the museum. So it sort of settled me a little bit. I was I was basically looking at the door thinking, that ball, please don't go off, please don't go off. Because <laughs> I don't know what I'd do if it had gone off. Um, would, anyway, you run, would you have run out? No, because if that ball's gone off, I'm going to run past it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have just sat in there and just shut my eyes. Um, would, you, anyway, would, you, would you have screamed out? Would you go, ah, like that? No, I'd have probably <gasps> done some like that, oh, I reckon, yeah. Um, Damn then, it, what should happen? And then I'd be real, real worried. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I did that. Um, 18 minutes, I think it was. I was looking at the timer on the camera recording me. I was, that was my timer, basically, when to get out. I was like, right, when it gets to 18. So it comes out. Um, so I thought, right, I'm going to go to the centre of the museum. So I thought, oh, go down the stairs. Walks down the stairs, into the living room. There there was, Mark and Dave, and they, I absolutely crapped my pants. Yeah, but if you remember rightly, all I said was, how was the, how was it up there? No, but I didn't expect you in that living room. You but was outside. That's the, that's, the, that's the old pot. You can't blame me for that. That's not my problem. Well, anyway, chat. We was, we was looking at the CCTV of you in there. No, but you didn't know I was down there. I mean, I didn't know you was down there. And when you're in a house like that, <laughs> you've been up. in a room on your own, oh, thinking God. that your teammates are outside. But anyway, check that out on uh, our, our 
channel it is, it on, is there. on there. These are bloopers of me on there from most of the episodes where you know they've always caught me off guard for some reason. Yeah, off guard. It's in the actual <laughs> intro as well, so I had to yeah. put it in the new intro for 2022. So it's actually in there. So hopefully that answers your question, Amanda. Yeah, he's scared of his own shadow. Believe it. I think he is. He is. He is. We've got another one from Ryan from North Dakota. I like the way you edit an episode. I stumbled onto your channel and wondered what it makes what makes the channel stand out from the rest. Good question. Um, I believe ours stands out from the rest primarily because of me and Brett. Yeah, I was going to say that for us. us <laughs> yeah. The chemistry we've got. If I always say you cannot buy into something if you don't like how it's broadcast or you don't like the people that um, are on it. So... For example, when you go to a shop and you buy a product, you look at packaging. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then nine times out of ten, you buy it for packaging is a lot better than the you'd other. Norm- yeah, you'd normally go for a premium-looking product than you would yeah. do for a cheaper. And I think, personally, I think the way we edit um, the episodes so and I think the stories that we're now connecting to it, because there's a story to every location, which I mentioned on episode one, we now edit that into every episode so you can understand exactly the history on the property before you actually look at the, the next part which will be the investigation so and there's other ways that we stand out as well um i think our chemistry on screen that kind of stands out a bit um and also our social media presence is good so that will also maybe help us it's growing every day isn't it? it's yeah growing, which is good you know and there's that. not many other uh paranormal um teams that actually have a podcast believe it or not where I've, I've, I've checked this out actually i think i've only stumbled across a few and they're in yeah, america seen maybe a couple, yeah. so that alone that makes us stand out a bit more as well but i think mostly as well the the actual places the location we're going to they're, they're highly researched um you might not upload every freaking week but that's purely because the locations that we have got if they're not credible enough to go to we just got to go to it and the ones that we do go to have been researched enough and we know we can get something out of it and the episode once edited is really good then we'll go online so there's a few aspects to maybe why we'd want to stand out but we always like to try and be two steps ahead as well that's another thing so yeah, we're always trying to think of new things that way and stuff yeah. like that so we're always on our toes and like mm. I say we always we always appreciate feedback regarding our content um, and stuff like that so yeah definitely so hopefully that answers your, your question as well um, Samantha from Lise in Italy great start to your podcast I love the accent Dave have I got an accent? I don't know, might do. Uh, my question is, what's the plans for the future and what's the best bit of tech that you use? You can say the tech thing. Well, ask, uh, I've got my idea on I tech. I like it all. <clears throat> I like the music um, box. Yeah, I don't like the music box. Um, I think EVP recorder is the best one we've got because it's yeah, not far. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I do I do still like the SLS. Um, still waiting for that one bit of footage to come through what's really, you know, raw footage of that figure there, but it's far and far between and it. it's just one of them things uh, but no regarding tech I do like it all but yeah EVP recorders you'll probably see us using it a lot more than we have have done in the early episodes like the Gracery well to be fair the Gracery we used an EVP recorder didn't we we didn't have but, a great, the Gracery we didn't have the tenth what we've got now I know we had we had, we had, had a blue one didn't we yeah but we had, had, had oh, the no, cameras yeah, we were yeah. using was yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. dire yeah. The, the tech in general was subpar it wasn't good enough from yeah. start to finish but because we just started off it took time to get to where we are now well, i'd say if best tech regarding evp recorder cameras i'd say evp because cameras yeah they're good for ir people can see where you are and what you're doing yeah but they're not necessarily pick up anything regarding paranormal visual yeah, yeah you know so, whereas yeah. the evp is your best friend isn't it? <clears throat> oh yeah that's it because it records at such a lower sound spectrum and spirits can actually reply in real time to a question you've asked there's nothing more better to listen to when you edit and is your EVP record is mm. uh, Paranormal's best friend I think and to be fair when we did get those motion balls when we first brought them into the into equation play, mm. it was I did enjoy them because we did, we did yeah, get a lot of things and we, you know for our, all our episodes we always if something does go off and we're a bit unsure you'll probably see me on 
I'll always try and debunk it because I want to be certain that the stuff we've got is crucial and it's 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 actually unexplainable. Yeah, definitely. And I think future-wise, my personal opinion is I'm doing it every day now or every week. I'm upgrading all the time. So at the moment of time in my arsenal, I've got Sony cameras, Canon cameras. Um, Sony are absolutely phenomenal. They make the best cameras and Canon are even oh, unreal. But I'm always looking to upgrade. So no matter what, I'll use a bit of, tech for a period of time and then if i know i can upgrade it i will upgrade it so our tech will always be upgraded no matter what might not be uh thousands of thousands of thousands of pounds kind of upgrade no. but it's going to be better than what we're at now so it'll always be going up a level uh, and also i think brett's gonna be making more tech he likes to think he's got a dab and uh, <laughs> electronics yeah and i think it's wet i like a challenge yeah definitely and i think I stuff don't like, like to that be defeated either. no <laughs> <laughs> no and i think that that part is definitely new ideas will be regarding new tech and again back to that other question what makes us making us different about mm. how we stand out that's another thing oh the tech we you know we try to look at different tech we'll see other companies using tech and we think right we want that but we don't want to just you know pay for a random we created one by you know another um i don't know like shop what develops um paranormal stuff yeah we'd rather research it so we know what we're using how it's working but not that we get it as a fraction of the price. Like I said, me and Dave said on our previous episode, we don't get no money regarding HGC. We're not about that. We've always been about the experiences and just you know the adventure we're going to go on. Yeah, definitely. Um, so obviously, yeah, we both work, but we still need to keep our thumbs down because we've we've got bills to pay as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Ever since I started this bloody operation, I'm I'm about well, I'm a lot of money into it to manage with. But that's, like Brett was saying, it's it's pure for the love of what we're doing. It's not. Nothing more. I mean, people always message me all the time saying, "Why did you start a Patreon and all that stuff?" In my head, and I'm, and it's my personal opinion, I find it a form of uh, begging. I really do. Uh, we both work full time. We both can finance this as we have been for the last year and a bit. Um, so going and starting a Patreon thing up to take away people's money, nah, it's not for me. Maybe it might do way in way way future when we're a lot bigger than what we are now. But even still, at that point, I probably still won't go down that road. And it's just something that's always been drummed into my into my head not to go down um, and that, again it's just my personal opinion the mention about full time in there as well in that question um, yeah you're looking at well we had one at full time in my eyes this is full time already <laughs> no I mean I think what they're referring to is would you oh, quit not, work and we can't this. yeah we can't quit work well, again like we explained because we don't get no royalties or you know any um, money coming back for HTC for what we're doing we could not we, could, we couldn't do it um, full time we'd love to this could be just you know if we could just do this at our job We'd be gone. We'd have gone many locations every week, pretty much doing yeah, this. But it just—if it was two single guys, you know, no, no commitments, anything like that, then maybe so. It'd be doable. Yeah. But you know, with commitments and bills and families and other things like that, we just can't factor in at the minute. No, definitely. But again, in the future, it all depends. Yeah. yeah, it all depends on how we go. I mean, I don't think I'll ever give up on this anyway, and I'll be doing it for years and years to come. Um, that's the difference between what we do to what other paranormal teams do is that the other paranormal teams they'll come and go and they always do i'm in this for the long run and i have been there's been a lot of ups and downs in the just over the year that we've been running at the moment but i've always prevailed and always come out the other end and i'll never give up and that's one thing i'm really proud to say myself is that i will never give up because i know there's extra content out there there's extra evidence out there and there's also extra answers to a few of the questions that everyone has regarding the paranormal i want to be the one to get them answers yeah. so giving up is never going to be an option for me but I really, we've, come too, we've come too far now. Yeah, definitely. So just let it all go now. And I hope, Sam, that's answered your question because that's a really good question. That uh, Last question we've got here is from Emily and Laura, and they're in Scotland. 
that's not Scotland. That's Scotland. Yeah, <laughs> that's Scot- yeah, they're from Scotland. Uh, we have watched every episode and really enjoy them. What was your scariest moment and what goes into a location? Scariest moment first. Scariest moment? I mean, I've got a few, but the scariest one. Um, it's a good question, isn't it? Yeah. That's why I didn't want to tell you these questions before we came on air. Well, answer what goes into a location first. Um, research. We'll Pure yeah. research. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, also access points some of these places you can actually get in and out just fine uh, but some of them there's a certain way to doing it so we need to look at the access points and the exit route um so sometimes a lot of people might want to run out there quick so we need to know how to get out there quick yeah because it's gonna be dark you're yeah not gonna you're not gonna see anything <laughs> um and also the actual structure itself if it's safe if there's actually a roof on there um yeah weather permitted is you know if there's no yeah. roof, if there's no roof and it's raining there's no point shooting it it's no. not even that you get the, the sound of the rain on your EVP that's recorders. my next thing that's the next thing is the sound quality are we gonna have good sound quality within this place that's why you'll find that a lot of our investigations are not outside a lot yeah. of them are inside because the sound quality is 10 times better and so when it comes to EVPs, they're a lot more clearer we're going to um, do some outside ones more later this year when it starts to get a little bit warmer give it a try uh, give it a try just because it's like you say, you've got less chance of it raining. Um, yeah, you've still got a few bit of background noise, but on a night, you don't really hear much of the birds or nah. anything like that, so it should be okay. No, definitely. Um, I mean, it's just another route that we can go down. I mean, there's a few locations that are outside that would be stupid not to do. Yeah, so, yeah. But like I said, the sound quality. I have got s- stuff on my mics now where it will now deflect the wind um, and, and stop that interfering with the sound, but again, they're not being really fully tested because we're still doing quite a lot indoor yeah, stuff. Get, it, might, it might get minimal. You might get minimal back, and I can take that out but during the year. that humming, you know, and we worked all that, and it, you know, it paid off. Yeah, but the wind, the wind's awful. Suppose, yeah, it yeah. sounds so much different. Um, what's the next? Scariest moment. Oh, I was trying to think. I'm racking my brain here. My, I'll answer mine. I'm going to say Dave because no. he just scares me all the time. No, <laughs> so man. No, but it's funny. I don't, I don't mean to sometimes. Sometimes you just I'm in the right place at the right time and you're just a jumpy. <laughs> That's all it is. My scariest moment, I would say, is um, seeing the shadow figure um, at one at that old people's home. That's my scariest one. Because I think... Did I mention this in episode one? I did, didn't I? About yeah. the shadow figure, yeah. So yeah. I'm going off myself the again. Didn't, didn't see it. Yeah, the other two didn't see it. My camera caught it and I caught it with my own eyesight. That's the scariest part because when it came back to editing, I knew what I physically saw my own eyes. But then when the camera confirmed it, um, I was just like, wow. I've got one. So that's probably my scariest moment. Um, that's the thing with the paranormal. When something happens to you right in front of your face, you don't know how to react. Your body doesn't know how to react. It's either run or stay. Uh, I'm so glad that, that present time I actually stayed uh, and, and pointed my camera in the right direction. Nine times out of ten, it, it doesn't work like that. Um, so I think that was my scariest moment. I think my scariest moment, it wasn't much of a scare. It was one of those points where something happens and you get that like a butterfly feeling or like you know in your, in your stomach you're like oh, but you're not like a nervous or yeah. really it's not normal and it would have been when we was at the house of nightmares location house of nightmares hmm. oh yeah 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 so yeah 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 go <laughs> apologies <on>. yeah <laughs> um, you, you're going by the name of the episode aren't you? Yeah. that's why <laughs> oh, no. if you're going by the real name and i've known if the actual name of the puppet yeah man yeah um and there was when we was, um, was all downstairs and we had the SLS camera running upstairs. So I went back to go check. And as I get up the ladders into the attic and as I walked in... Is that your scariest moment, camera, really? No, it's, I've not really had a massive scary moment. It's more the feeling. Oh, okay. Um, and as I looked at the SLS to check that it was still recording, which it was, um, it just straight away then, as I was looking at it, um, mapped in a figure. 
and prior to this was doing some um, experiments up there and there's you know maybe a couple of children up there and it was just sort of a I don't I mean it wasn't like I didn't like scream or anything like that but it was more of a just a it caught was, you off guard yeah one nice feeling inside it was just it was, it was real weird I mean I stayed there to see what it was doing and it, it went pretty much after I moved the SLS further close to well closer to where it was and um, the thing is that the figure was the size of a child as well yeah well, that's yeah and that's, that's what was. that's that's a freaky thing and i think as dave says i'm pretty jumpy and it's probably because everyone was downstairs <laughs> hey, and, he admits it and <laughs> in the back of my mind i'm thinking dave's gonna be creeping up here oh, any minute up, now which you did well yeah i did actually yeah no <laughs> you was coming down off the ladder on a couple of foot yeah i know i remember that <laughs> Well, yeah, this 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 oh. is where we are. You'll see it on many uh, many investigations. I don't uh. like it, but Dave loves it. Nah, it's funny. It's funny. No, definitely. Um, yeah, I must admit, I like that location. That uh, that was in the Scunthorpe one, wasn't it? The yeah. the house that was haunted. Mm-hmm. I just remembered first uh, home visit. I just remembered another another thing that actually made me jump. Um, that I thought was quite scary at the time. Do you know when we was at the um, REF uh, base? Um, what do you call it? I can't think of Bucklesby. It's in Bucklesby. Yeah, the the community hall. Thing. Yeah, what do you call it? Do you remember? I don't know. Oh, it's like an REF, um, an old REF base there, and they had a community centre there. And this community centre was when it was operational. All the um, the flight, what do you call it, pilots and stuff like that, and anyone that worked in the area, they all had their own live entertainment within this community centre. And we went there, and we went behind the uh, stage, and when we heard that, um, oh, the singing, the singing. We heard that we, we we heard the hum. We didn't think the it was singer, hum, yeah. yeah. But to our to our ears, it was like a low low tone hum. And everyone in that room, everyone behind the stage yeah. went, "Did you hear that?" Because I even went to the fire exit doors and to put, check. My, put my ear against the door to see yeah. if there's any like noise coming from any buildings or all, any houses around the area. But I mean, there was no houses close by um, no. at that point um, on that side of the building, um, and you couldn't hear anything. And we all sort of heard it, but I think it was all at the time it was all sort of questioning. Well, did we? Did we hear it? But then when we reviewed the footage, pure singing. By God, it was just like it was an old woman singing, amazing. and it, she had vocal tone. Um, it's a shame I, I didn't really think ahead of this, but it's just come to my mind because I could actually play it now, and you'd probably hear it on the mics. Um, but yeah, if you look back at the episode, you can clearly hear the woman singing, and because back in its day when it was operational and the pilots needed some sort of entertainment and they used to have bands and used to have women come down there and sing and entertain these uh, pilots and um, and hierarchy people at wet because everything was all on site wasn't it the hospital voice, church like the, tone, the voice the tone it, it just fit fitted well yeah it, fit, it was just it was, it was unbelievable but to hear it physically with our own ears and not to show up picked up is only when I look back at the record and I can clearly hear a woman yeah. singing I was like wow phenomenal yeah, so that's, really that just reminded me that, that moment I thought that was really good we did get uh, another a story sent in by uh, Michelle Weber. Uh, she's from Pennsylvania. She's already sent a question in previously, which we've already answered. Um, and then she sent this story in. This story, which I'm going to read to you, Brett, I know you can see it in the front of our screen, but uh, it gives you and me an idea that a haunting doesn't necessarily mean um, something moving. or oh, no, yeah. There's different yeah, aspects yeah. of a haunting. Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. This story kind of coincides with that because she explained this in such a different way where it kind of opened your eyes to the because i mean you know like if you got um a, a, you know the devil you read the devil aren't yeah, you? yeah something that's really evil and a paranormal mm-hmm. they like can demon yeah fire. demon they can manipulate whether it sounds they can make themselves sound something that you know or make themselves look like something that you know yeah, yeah. so they can transition yeah they can transition to whatever they want to be 
This story, this uh, little situation that Michelle sent to me, uh, she sent on the Instagram. Uh, I'll read it out now for you. Uh, before I read it out, though, I need to mention, actually, the names and what they mean. So, Sarah, you will hear the name Sarah. That's her daughter. And Jasmine is the actual granddaughter. So, I'll read it out. My house is haunted. Honestly, I never let, I never tell anyone it's embarrassing. I keep it hidden. No one in the family knows. I'm on Instagram except my sister. Here is one story and a very true, and I'll be honest, I did tell my dad the shock was intense. So by this point when I was reading up to you, I was like, ooh, what is it, what is it, what is it? Jasmine, who is 11 years old, is now, Jasmine, who is 11 years old, was about two years old, and I was playing with her in the living room with me while her mother was with her in the bathroom getting ready to bath her, or bathe her, she's put, sorry. We are both interacting with her at the same time. My daughter is called Sarah, called out and asked who I was speaking to. Then we both realised Jasmine was no longer there. I had... No, I had Jasmine and her Jasmine was no longer there. Yeah, so pretty much hindsight, you had the mother downstairs talking, playing around with Jasmine. But then you had... The daughter upstairs bathing Jasmine. So who had the real Jasmine? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. And that's when they came uh, pretty much... They realised when Sarah called down, she went, who the hell are you talking to? And the mother shouted, it was like, oh, Jasmine. She, but the mother had the real Jasmine. Was it the mother had the real Jasmine or did the daughter have the real Jasmine? No, she said, so they're saying there that they, they talked to the girls and they were wearing different clothes. It was totally different, yeah. Not every day things happen. We got objects thrown at us. Try and move that up for us. Oh, it's all live, guys. Yeah, we had, uh, not all things happen. We had objects thrown at us off the shelf. This ghost enjoys um, pretty much the entertainment, really. They like, like playing tricks and playing games. Um, they like to mess around. Um, so pretty much, yeah, that was their story. It just gives it in a different shadow of light, that the different types of paranormal activity that you can get. But to have something manipulate and transition like that and have it in two parts of the house where they're literally both interacting which what they thought was a human being and one of them wasn't but one of them was that's kind of scary i put like, i mean to be fair. you have to be there to believe it and seen as believing but yeah i just I'm, found that weird i mean michelle's also put at the bottom there she's um she's just said that she's obviously she's not told anybody um not even a family apart from her dad because she was shocked mm. um but she's now obviously let us know about this story because uh, she wants us to obviously put on our podcast because it might just help someone yeah. um, who's in the same situation and who's, um, who's scared. Can you imagine that feeling, though, when she's got a daughter shouting down saying, who are you talking to? Yeah. And then you're looking at, you're thinking, well, Dartmouth, did you go to my granddaughter? <laughs> do you know what I mean? My granddaughter, and all of a sudden is, I don't know. I don't, I don't she know wouldn't just, like, shove away, cause you, I, but you think that's your daughter. I wish, your I wish Michelle would have turned around and said, what happened when she looked away and answered her, her daughter? Mm. Did she look back and all of a sudden there was nothing there? Or was it the granddaughter? No, yeah, it was the mother that uh, downstairs that it disappeared on. Yeah. Did it, did, did it disappear? Did it, when you look away and then look back, it was just gone? But surely it has to have mass mm. so you can touch it. Yeah, yeah especially to assume that it's, it's your daughter or granddaughter in front of you physically yeah. with no changes whatsoever. In the different clothes thing as well. That's freaky. That's, yeah. that got me a bit going. I should have read that out a bit. Question. I should have read. I should have read the full thing more than once, and I could have read it out a bit more yeah. easier. Well, thank you for Michelle. No, that's Not great. For Michelle. <laughs> for that, Michelle. <laughs> Do me. You shot me that. No. Um, yeah, definitely keep keep sending these stories. Honestly, I will make sure I read them out that bit better. But um, 
yeah, keep sending your stories, keep sending in your questions. Every one of them will be read um, by myself. And then, of course, we can pick out a few and, uh, and bang them in the next episode. But that does put the conclusion now to episode. So uh, hopefully you've liked it. Gives you an insight on what is supposed to be the most haunted house in England, which was the Grey Street. Um, and yeah, we spent eight weeks there. So it would be foolish not to explain exactly what we went through and what we thought of the property. Yeah. Um, and also the questions that we got sent in. And do you know what's even better? They're from around the world. Exactly. They're not from England, they're from America, Italy. That's it, guys, we've been going for a week now. Um, <laughs> and yeah, stats are looking good. Um, so yeah, just give us a like, share, follow our podcast, and tell people about us. You know, if, if you know they're interested in paranormal, or you've got, if you think they are, or anything like that, just you know, point them in our, our direction. Totally agree. And like I said before in episode one, it's all not going to be smooth running. First few episodes are always going to be a bit shaky, but like anything, good quality content comes in time and we we just get better and better each 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 episode that we upload we are going to be uploading uh, these episodes weekly so every sunday they will be uploaded around about 2 p.m um is it english time our time so yeah uk time yeah uk time so depending on what country you might be in it might be might a few hours difference even there but it will be uploaded on the sunday primarily weekly um we both enjoy it we both enjoy recording them and it's just good to speak. Um, nine times out of ten, when you're living your day-to-day life, and you don't really talk about the paranormal very often to you know, your work colleagues. Not that. I think you don't really talk about the investigation itself. Obviously, yeah, we're, we're sending messages to each other, you know, saying, oh, I've got this bit of footage, got this bit of that on EVP, but we don't really explain what happened to ourselves or how we fought there. So this is why we brought this together. So yeah. it gives a chance for me and Dave to speak and just you know share our thoughts and like Dave said get some insight from our viewers and answer some questions and do some stories as well the insight is a big thing I mean everyone if you um, if you believe or understand the paranormal or have a, a, an interest in it and you again like you've, you've had your own situation where some things happen like I said before send it all in just send it in to us we'd love to read them out questions we've had them before um, send as many questions as you want in. We will try and answer them. Any footage? If you've got any video recorded footage, yeah, you know you've maybe captured, and you've had it, you know, just in a drawer somewhere. You're a bit unsure of it of what it could be. You know, send it across. We'll we'll view it. Um, or any you know like sound recording. Send them across. We'll review it and we'll respond to it on, you know, another episode. Definitely. And yeah, that finishes episode two. I think it does. We have been speaking a hell of a lot. Um, episode 3 will be again next week Sunday um, hopefully you can tune in thank you very much for all your support from start to finish every single like every single comment and questions anything of the sort makes a difference so it's really good to hear that you are you are listening you are enjoying and more importantly we do get your support so it makes, it makes a lot of difference so thank you very much for that and we will leave you be and we'll see you next Sunday bye <laughs>